0: Hi everybody, David Noor back with my co-host Jen Cords for another episode of Rev Up, where we focus on really accelerating your growth. Hello, Jen.
1: Hi,
2: Noor. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks. Good to see you. We've got a special guest joining us. Hello, Susan. Hey, Noor. Thanks for having me today. It is great to have you. For our audience, this is an example of a CMO highlight that we want to incorporate into these series. And the intent is not just to hear from Jen and me, but really practitioners who on the front line on a daily basis, get RevOps, get the impact and the value of it. And they're implementing it. And they're really deploying their assets and resources to be much more intelligent, much more engaging in how they engage their customers, their prospects through that uh, buying journey. So uh, if you Don't know anything about Susan, I've never heard of her or company. We're gonna start macro, go a little micro. Susan, how about an introduction with your professional background, kind of where you've been, what you've done, and how you've gotten here?
2: Sure. Um, So I've been with Query AI for about eight months. And um, prior was with uh, another cybersecurity company called Mindcast, where I led brand strategy. Um, And then kind of backing up from there, spent about 10 years with uh, Optive Security, uh, which is a powerhouse in um, in the security solutions marketplace. Um, That was really cool because I had the opportunity to do so many different things while I was there, including build that brand by bringing together uh, two $750 million companies to create a new company.
0: That's fantastic.
2: Nice. And so can you give a
1: quick overview for our audience of Query AI's uh, product and then also
2: sort of the ICP that you're going after? Absolutely. Um, So in the cybersecurity space, actually, I I was thinking about this this morning, it's it's not so different than what we deal with 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 revenue operations. Um, In the cybersecurity space, the average enterprise has somewhere between 50 and 75 discrete cybersecurity tools in their environment. And uh, much of the data collected by those tools is very siloed. So it's really hard for people to actually have a a full purview over everything going on in their environment. And that that data is really making it hard for organizations to get a timely view on their security risks. Um, So for Query AI, our platform provides real-time centralized access to that decentralized data so that organizations can accelerate their cybersecurity investigations and more efficiently respond to threats.
0: Um, In terms of ideal customer profile, who who is the, is it the CISO or who's the, who's the target audience you're trying to engage?
2: So the personas that we target um, are uh, security operations leaders, so managers, directors, um, and anyone who would lead the security operation function, um, and then as well as the CISOs. Um, And then I would say the the users of our product are actually the security analysts.
0: And last question, who competes in the space? Who else do you guys see in your opportunities? Who else says they might do similar things?
2: Um, So that's a a really good question. Um, The historical approach to what we do has been about centralizing data. So there are a lot of SIMS, uh, which is a technology used in the cybersecurity space and and, and organizations that have built that technology over time that has centralized that data. Um, big differentiator is that we don't require people to centralize data to have access to it. Um, there's really nobody who is who is doing it the way we do it today. Got it. Uh, so how did you first hear
1: about RevOps and what does it mean to you and its importance within an organization?
2: So RevOps to me is a somewhat relatively new concept. Um, every organization I've ever worked at or with has had disparate um, operations teams, which is where I was thinking about the connection between what what we you know are striving to fix in the security space and, and what RevOps is, is sort of working to fix as well. Um, so what I've experienced in my career is a marketing ops team, a sales ops team, a business intelligence team, and each of those functions has been siloed. Um, with each operations specialist having different priorities, goals, and incentives, so therefore the coordination has often been challenging. Um, from what I've what I've seen and experienced in my career, um, so to me, revenue operations is about developing and um, implementing and executing on an end to end strategy that delivers revenue growth faster, and um, really serving as that central function for all of the revenue generating business units. Um, sales, marketing, customer success—with the customer at the middle of that process.
0: Love that. A ton of our research shows that companies who get this piece right, they really thrive in that customer lifecycle journey, from early engagement by marketing through that purchase by sales, and then a really seamless handoff to customer success. Which, by the way, I tell everybody the relationship starts after they buy, right? Engaging them through that journey to come back around and deepen the relationship is also where marketing is involved again. And you, you see a lot of organizations do parts of this well, but they stumble, as you said, different priorities, different agendas, different ways they're measuring. And attribution seems to be more of a concern than are we really winning together? Have you seen the same?
2: Definitely have seen the same, and the other piece that I think makes this even more critical now than a couple years ago is uh, the change in the in the buyer's journey. So in the past, you would have you know marketing, um, and then you would hand it off to sales, and then sales would take it and close it, and then hand it off to customer success. So it was this very linear buyer's journey that we experienced, um, and now it's it's kind of like this, right? It's like, <laughs> I'm going to read something, I'm going to talk to a sales guy, I'm going to come back and watch a web webinar, I'm going to, you know, so it's just kind of all over the place. And even when they are a customer, and the customer success organization is working with them, there are so many different signals um, that customer success can use to actually service them even better.
0: For our audience, if you just joined us, we're live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter. You're listening to Susan Valencourt, uh, chief marketing officer at query.ai, fascinating cybersecurity technology. And what we love about highlighting Susan is, I think from our first conversation, Jen was on that call, Susan got it. Got what yeah. RevOps is, got the value of it, got the really strategic value of it. And, and since our work together has really proven that that she's set on creating a really strong foundation for organization. So talk about, Susan, why do you believe it's so critical to the success of Query and its go-to-market strategy to get this RevOps piece right?
2: So part of it is going back to what we were just talking about with that, you know, that linear motion no longer existing with clean handoffs, handoffs between marketing, sales and customer success. Um, the customer journey has just become so much more complex and digital. Um, and I I really believe that COVID has um, helped to accelerate that. I think we were on that path anyway, but it was like, oh, my God, now everything's digital. What do we do? I, I remember like distinctly sitting in a conference room. Uh, the day that my previous employer decided to send everyone home and people being like, "Okay, how are we going to shift our our strategy? Like today, we can't do any more events, you know. Um, So so that becomes important. And then I think the other piece is the fact that customer facing teams um, have responsibilities throughout the funnel. So revenue ops can make sure that all those teams are operating with those shared goals and strategies so that that's all really important to me. Um, This concept of bringing together the people, processes, and data across the organization um, to align on on three really common goals. I think you you mentioned earlier, I think, that that companies that have strong revenue operations models, um, I read this stat in Gartner, I think it was a 38% uh, higher revenue. So this idea that we could increase profits by maximizing our customer conversion um, and profit margin on sales. Um, also, the ability to cut crop costs across various departments by looking at the efficiencies of the different technologies that we're using, making sure that they're integrating and working well together, and frankly, having one team instead of multiple teams—you um, know—looking across all of the data to make um, the the larger, more informed decisions than the decisions in the silo that may or may not be accurate um, based on just the portion of the data that you have to access. Um, And then the final piece, you know, is the ability to find new operation, new opportunities for revenue generation. So by really looking across the full uh, life cycle, understanding what is working, what is not working um, and being able to fine tune all of those things across all revenue generating um, functions um, in order to find those new opportunities.
1: Mm. Susan, you mentioned uh, creating common goals across sales, marketing and customer success how have you found the best way to get buy-in from all of those different stakeholders to adopt a revenue operations
2: model well for me that's maybe not a fair question um, because i work for a very progressive organization Um, And when I uh, approached my boss, who is the COO, and I went to the head of customer success um, and COO is currently acting as our sales leader, um, they were like, yes, this is exactly (laughs) what we want. This is exactly what we need. Um, So honestly, it has not been hard to gain the buy in because I think everyone in my organization sees the value that it will bring
0: in the march madness vernacular that's called a layup <laughs> just like here you go Would you like that in paper or plastic <laughs> um, so uh, think about a think about a more complex or think about a more you hate to say it territorial kind of a an environment where listen this is this is my box don't mess with my sandbox and yeah i'm going to nod yes 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 but i may not play nicely with others because i'm focused on mine how do you get buy in there how do you get them to see that this is more than just us and them? It's really a we. and we either gonna win together as a we or we're gonna lose together as a we?
2: I mean, that's a great question. I think it really depends on, um, on the organization. Um, you know, there are some where I just think the personalities that run some of those functions just wanna do what they wanna do and, and own what they wanna own, um, you know, just being really transparent. Um, and then I think there are other organizations where people understand that you're one team. And the best way to reach the goals that you want to reach is for everybody to be operating efficiently, keyword, together. Um, so, really being able to help them understand that, um, you know, revenue ops can help with alignment, um, bringing together everyone for those shared goals to reach the business objectives, um, creating some simplification by, you know, removing the conflicts, you know, so maybe going to those other leaders and saying, we're, we have conflicts in these areas because of the silos that we have. This will help us increase communication and data. Um, when we go to the board, you know, the, the the marketing leader and the sales leader will now have the same numbers, so there won't be any disconnect. And the story they'll be telling is exactly the same, even though there's lots of board prep. Um, it, you know, it's not going to be a stretch because we're all working from the same you know, hem sheet, if you will, um, and then the other piece is the accuracy. I think for sales leaders, the ability to more accurately forecast um, because you know what's coming, and and uh, I, I just think you know create some some great synergies. Um, so maybe it's those conversations, and, and and that's sort of ties into the here's what's in it for you.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, one of the things that we really appreciated in our early conversations with you. And your team was that you're really trying to establish a great, consistent, solid foundation. And early in the process, we haven't had to come in and clean up a lot of things. We're setting them up right from the onset. So you guys, Query just raised its you know Series A round. So you're early in this journey and really taking the product out to market and engaging folks. At what point you do you believe centralizing RevOps and really standardizing on that versus the marketing operations and sales, the individual ones make sense. Is there a point in the life cycle? Is there a point in the funding round? Is there a right timing to do this?
2: I would say as early as possible. Um, To me, it's easier to build something the right way from the beginning uh, than to go back and, and retrofit it. You know, I've been part of larger organizations. And, and again, as, as I was thinking about coming on this show with you guys, I was I was thinking about like, gosh, when you're a behemoth organization, behemoth organization, how, you know, how do you then take all of these functions and years of legacy processes and equipment and these large teams that you have? I mean, that's a much more difficult shift than, and, and, and you know, to their credit, like this, this capability, the technologies that we use, like all of these things were not around when a lot of these teams were building. Um, So my answer to that question is, you know, for me as early as possible. So we got our series A funding, we realized that we were having, you know, a difficult time um, really being able to forecast, um, being able to understand what was working and what was not because our systems weren't optimized, they weren't integrated, and um, you know, set it up right from the beginning is how I feel.
0: That's fantastic.
2: We were recently just talking to another
1: prospect. And they, they did mention that in their past lives, they've also experienced where you've tried to shift or migrate from one system to another. And it usually ends up costing double, sometimes triple. You have to run things in parallel. So I, I'd agree with you that setting it up early from the get go is most beneficial. And so when you are setting something up, like how intimately involved do you specifically get in with the design, the governance, the functionality of the tech stack, or is it more like the goals and outcomes that you're focused on?
2: For me, it's more the goals and outcomes. Um, you know, you, Jen, like, you know, you're you're brilliant at that other stuff. And that's why, you know, as a leader, it's like you hire the people who can do the work that you need them to do and you trust them and you guide them with, you know, with with the high level of what you're looking to achieve. Um, and and I'm really really thankful that I don't have to be in the weeds trying to figure all of this stuff out. Yes. it's so,
1: helpful.
0: Right. So so that that's that's a that's a sign of a great leader, right? Stick to your knitting and then hire really well. Right? So let let those that are you know just just wired to do that part. Uh, and Jen and her team are fantastic at that. So, um, how will you and your executive staff? Measure, do you believe measure the success of RevOps? What is what does that success look like to you? How do you guys talk about it? What are you looking forward to?
2: So what we're looking for is a complete end-to-end view of our market-facing motions. Um, you know, so starting, you know, kind of at the beginning with with marketing, like I really want to understand what marketing programs are working, what is driving interest. Um, you know, where are we seeing um, some really great inbound? Um, how fast are those opportunities moving through our marketing and our sales stages ultimately into conversion? Um, so so to me, those are sort of the the table stakes. Um, and then, you know, moving on. Um, in the future, is really being able to make some low variance um, forecasting efforts and making sure that our time to respond on our SLAs across the business are um, you know are we're meeting those SLAs. Um, so efficiency, efficiency across the business, um, our ability to um, see what's working and what's not, which ties to efficiency, um, and then the ability to support all of the different functions um, to effectiveness.
0: I, I don't think there's anybody that's gonna say no, thank you. Not not interested. What are we what you just discussed? Just not gonna fit here. But it's interesting, Jen and I see this all the time. We talk to and and you hate that back and forth, right? So marketing, hey, we're sending sale leads over, but sales is not touching them. Sales, the leads I'm getting from marketing aren't exactly ideal, and I'm being kind when I say that, right? So how have you resolved that scenario? How have you resolved Right. Avoiding that again, us and them and that friction back and forth by kind of getting everybody on the same page.
2: What you just described is so very typical of so many organizations Um, like marketing just generates leads, um, you know, and, and sends them over, over the wall to sales and then gets mad because sales is not following up on them. Um, We've done all this work and you're not following up, you know, so it's maybe thousands of them. And then sales gets mad because to your point, they're like, these are junk. I can't do anything with them and you're wasting our time. Um, So, you know, we're, kind of at the early stages with our revenue ops model, um, I do spend a lot of time with our sales team, um, understanding what is actually driving value for them. So for example, um, we just started up a content syndication program um, and have heard from my, we're not really provisioning the leads in an efficient way yet. I think we will definitely get there soon. Um, but connecting with um, and, and having open and honest conversations literally on a daily basis with my sales team to understand, you know, what is working. Like, for example, in this content syndication, they're really happy because they're they're warm. You know, we're, we're not doing lead scoring yet. We're still really early in the process. Um, so handing those off and, and having them be able to see that there is a um, that there's a trend. Um, that exists, that's giving them meat. So we do a lot through our partners, through um, solutions sellers, and it gives them something of value to go to partners with. Um, and so I think that's also the name of the game, like really understanding where the value is that we're bringing so that they can then go to outside sources to get, um, you know, to get additional, va- do additional you, value.
0: Do you think that behavior, it sounds like you really are close to the sales team and you are very intentional about understanding what you just said, right? What's a value to them? What's working? What's not working? Do you believe that's common
2: amongst your CMO peers or is that a rarity? I want to say it's common. Um, (laughs) So for whatever CMOs are out there listening, I'm going to say it's common. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't I, I don't I don't want to say it's not common. Let me just say that. So
0: then let me ask the other way. How about does sales and sales leaders equally do you see them or do you see a trend where they're spending more time? Because Jenna and I know a couple that are in fact are doing this, spending more time with marketing, educating them on kind of the last campaign we did. Here's of the 50 leads we got, three were fantastic. You know, twelve were mediocre. The rest of them weren't a right fit with our ICP. And here's why. Do you see that kind of a loop, you know, feedback loop mechanism from the sales leadership side?
2: I honestly don't think it's common from from either side. Um, I think people get so busy and caught up in their own goals and objectives for their function versus really thinking the bigger picture of what do we need to do for the business and kind of going back to that, how do we do it together? Um, so I I do think it's relatively uncommon. And I think there's also sometimes, um, this idea, you know, marketing says, we know how to do this better. And sales says, we know how to do this better. And the truth is both of them know how to do it well, but they could do it better if they come together. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot in business, that's, that's the problem. It's the collaboration and this revenue operations is about sort of to a degree forcing that collaboration um, for the good of the business.
0: Got it. Jen, you're next.
2: Well, related to that
1: collaboration, would you say that it's easier because you're small and you can instill that early on? And like when you you do actually get ahead of sales, is this something that you're gonna continue or would you still continue working with the individual sales team?
2: I definitely would think it's easier because we're smaller. when you add more people and more opinions and more expertise, you sort of add more complexity um, and but if everything's moving in the right direction and if you're growing and you know then then life's a lot easier for sure. Um, I do anticipate that when we hire a sales leader, um, we will continue being you know, being tied at the hip, essentially. Um, But I also anticipate that I will continue to talk to our sales reps on a regular basis. Um, And, you know, here, the environment that we have is very transparent and open. Um, We have Gong, for example, and um, I go in and I read the transcripts of our conversations with prospects. And I don't do that because I'm trying to follow up on our sales guys and really, you know, I do it because I want to understand what questions the customers are asking and are there things from a marketing perspective we could be doing better. Um, I I checked out a prospect call a couple weeks ago and I had this big aha moment in the middle of the call, Um, you know, as the prospect was not understanding really the very core of what our technology is built to do. And the rep did a great job with it. But. The point there being, oh, there's something additional we could add to our website, um, you know, and, and we had this whole internal conversation about how we can approach it from a different direction. So um, so yes, I think we will hire a sales leader that is a team player who wants to work together and grow the business. And yes, I absolutely plan to continue to have relationships with and work closely with the yeah.
0: reps. Two, two data points come to mind. One, I've always said, Confidence is knowing that you know a lot, but there's still a lot more you can learn. Arrogance is thinking you know a lot, and there's nothing new you can learn. So it's amazing that the leaders, and again, good people, good intentions, but so focused, as you said, on their functional groups. I'm gonna hit my own OKRs, and they lose, which is focused on output. I'm gonna kinda (laughs) lose sight of the bigger OKR, the bigger set of goals, which is outcomes. And that's really unfortunate because you get either a really strong functional area, but disconnect across across them, or you're starting out train a whole bunch of people of all we care about is the functional role. Neither one of those are really conducive to the outcomes you're after. So what attributes? You, you were recently kind enough to, to engage us. I work with our team. What attributes do you look for? Or have you looked for? Have you seen in a really strong kind of RevOps team? What 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 are what's kind of your must-have? What are you looking for in that? If I'm a peer CMO and I'm struggling with this issue, what should I be looking for?
2: So I, I first have to tell you, when I laid out what I was looking for, um, I did so on a CMO forum, and what I received was uh, probably about 20 unicorn emojis. <laughs> which worried me a little bit, right? Like, uh, okay. Um, so did you you feel like you were looking for unicorns? I did feel like I was looking for a unicorn to be honest with you. And then someone came forward and said, I have just the people you're looking for. They can really help you. And I thought, thank God, because like, you know, a unicorn is not going to help. Like if I, if it's not out there, it's not going to help. Right. Um, so, you know, initially, like we were looking for somebody who understood the technologies that, that we have in place. Um, it, it was interesting because we have HubSpot um, and a lot of people are using Marketo. And so it, it was a little bit hard to find somebody who has HubSpot experience and Salesforce experience. Um, And then also looking for somebody who really understood the full life cycle around the customer. So there's a lot of people out there who are marketing ops professionals. There's a lot of people out there who are sales ops professionals. There aren't that many who have tied in like marketing and sales and then extending that into customer success. Um, So first and foremost, the technology piece, how do we stand these up? How do we optimize them? How do we integrate them effectively? Um, And then there's the process piece. and really understanding how do you allow that crazy customer journey that exists today um, and really enhance it. Um, and so was looking for someone to help with that. Um, the other piece was the reporting piece. Um, so being able to automate the reports today we're doing a lot manually and really excited about the day when uh you know i just log into salesforce or or hubspot or wherever we decide to do it and there's like this is what's working this is what's not here's where you need to fine-tune and then also somebody who had just kind of the uh, intellectual curiosity um to to dig into the data and help to evaluate and assess that and to be able to bring important things to the forefront.
0: That's a uh, that's a fantastic list. So <laughs> we, we're big fans of that list. That's, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, definitely a unicorn, but there there are more professionals in the space that are getting that experience, sales to marketing, marketing to sales, things like that. And so in the near future, I'm hopeful there's there's more people that can actually fulfill some of these RevOps roles as the as the just entire Industry shifts. So, other than looking specifically related to RevOps, uh, what other one to two pieces of wisdom can you share with other CMOs that are trying to explore, amplify, and enhance their, their demand gen or their revenue growth uh, across the board?
2: Yeah, I, I want to go back really quickly, if you don't mind. Um, you know, it's interesting in this journey as we were looking for and ultimately finding you guys. Um, I was finding there are people who are really good at the technology piece, so they can stand them up and integrate them. And then separately, there are people that are really good at the data piece. And so uh, it, it was it was a challenge to find somebody who could basically do it all. Um, and, and that, you know, for me, I just want that kind of Staples easy button the one the one button that I just click, and uh, and there we are. We have it. We have it all. Um, So in terms of advice for other CMOs, I think, um, you know, I mean, obviously message and position are key. Um, I think it's about making sure that you're identifying the right personas and the right ICP in order to... um, reduce uh and getting buy-in and agreement, frankly. Like if I create an ICP and I say, here are the personas that we're targeting, but my sales leader doesn't agree, um, you know, then we have we have a disconnect and that's a problem. Um, so so it's really about communication. It's about setting goals. It's about, you know, working together um, to make sure everyone's on the same page so that and then and then measuring and seeing what's working and failing fast and changing course.
0: Love that. Love that. Okay. We're going to go off script. I know both of you are (laughs) excited about this idea, but Susan, I want to know a little bit more about like the real you. So how do you learn? How do you grow? How do you make sure you don't become stagnant in the role? Because we've also met some people that Are trying to do things tonight. I call them dinosaur leadership, right? The 1970s model, just I'm not sure, still works. So how do you ensure you stay sharp in your, you brought up intellectual curiosity, right? In your lens, in your perspective on what's happening in the space.
2: I think intellectual curiosity is probably, for me, when I hire people, it's one of the most important characteristics. I always feel like you can teach anything as as long as somebody wants to learn um, and and that's always been for me in my career as well I've always um, found opportunities where I really believed that there wasn't a, a chance to grow um, a couple employers ago I was I was there for 10 years which is a long time prior to that I had my own business and um, the reason that I was there for 10 years is because there was always something new and a new something new to tackle. Um, and that, for me, is really exciting. And um, I, I, you know, I think if you, uh, you know, to your point, there's a lot of people who will just do what they did last time, um, and they'll just keep doing that over and over. It works. It doesn't work. It, whatever, right? Like they'll they'll do what they did 20 years ago. Um, I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly talking to people. Um, I actually love LinkedIn Learning. Every weekend, I take some LinkedIn Learning courses. Um, When I started this job, I had never actively used HubSpot before. So on the weekends, uh, HubSpot has an amazing like HubSpot University or whatever it is. And a lot of it's really down in the weeds. But I figure if I know the nitty gritty of what's going on, like it will help me really understand what, you know, what the team is going through as they're trying to solve things. Jen, I'm
0: convinced Susan is a unicorn because you and I I meet, right? So Jen, my next question is to you. We meet a lot of CMOs who present company excluded are somewhat old school, right? Kind of seasoned, been around a while, have been successful, but they haven't embraced, they haven't adopted to this now, what I call digital relationships or hybrid relationships model. And Susan brought it up. With the pandemic, if there's no trade shows, if there's no demo days, if we can't go out and engage people. And so they've really struggled in understanding the digital implications, My question of you is what's your, give me three recommendations for CMOs who have the gravitas, who have the experience, who like Susan have done some really cool things to really become more knowledgeable on the technology and the potential impact of the technology on their revenue growth.
1: That's a good question. Many of the technologies today have like, OpenPrize is a great example of this and same with Outreach. Both of those are are big technologies in this space. They have like OpenPrize on OpenPrize. So it's literally the technology users, the people who have created the technology teaching how other people can then leverage it and same with Outreach. Outreach teaches how they use their own tool and I don't want to call it dog fooding, but that's kind of it is eating their own cooking, I guess is a better phrase. Um, they give examples. And so by embracing and and engaging with those sort of environments allows you to get an understanding and maybe ideas on how you can apply that within your own world and your own space. And then I would also allow or create a level of trust within your teams that allows them to experiment, allow them to fail faster, let them try something new, give them a small budget. And if it works great, double down on it. Um, Make sure that it's clear with the KPIs and what success would be with that budget, but let them play a little. And you could be surprised what people will come up with. I mean, I've had some great field marketing people come up with really, I don't want to say random ideas, but really robust digital experiences because of the pandemic. They're at home, they're they're in their own little world. Like they'd be like, oh, it would be really awesome if XYZ happened. And then they apply that to the business space. And fortunately, they had a, a director that they reported up to that allowed them to try it. And then it really worked. And then they got to apply it in other areas. So I would say for CMOs that have been around for a while, like let your team experiment, let them try things. Don't be afraid to fail because it's not really failing. It's actually a learning experience. And by trying small things consistently you you fail faster as i call it and so uh it allows you to learn things a lot quicker and shift that boat a little bit faster than waiting and waiting and planning something else for six months and then launching it and at that point figuring out that it's not going to work if you do a new one every month you're you're going to learn something a lot faster
0: I captured three, and I, and I really gravitate towards Susan's comment around intellectual curiosity. So even for uh, more, more of us salt-colored salt you know, CMOs, you, you cannot – I've always said the day you become complacent, you're no longer valuable to your biggest asset, which is your relationships. So you have to amp up that intellectual curiosity. I love Susan's comment about weekends. I'm going through a HubSpot University and I'm, and I'm just, and, and you are, every time we talk, you're genuinely curious about not just what's happening, but how it works, right? So that's a great one. Two, we did this with a couple of clients. I call it reverse mentoring. It's not an age thing, but it's the, the young that next generation of leaders who have grown up with a lot of these technologies or the next generation of the team members you bring in having kind of sit having them sit and by the way I'm practicing what we preach right jen is leading a lot of this transformation within our organization and and helping our other partners kind of really understand not just what it is but why it's important and how it works and I love the fact that she breaks into hey let's go through these 10 steps and do these things and you get comfortable with those you really start to understand the power and the promise of a lot of these tools. So think of reverse mentoring. The last one is something also Susan mentioned, which is your relationships. If you build and nurture relationships with a set of CMO peers, you like, you respect, you trust, you can always go on a listening tour. Go ask them, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? I love that Susan reads a ton and talks to people and she probably will get more insights from them Then a whole bunch of, you know, shady websites or a whole bunch of people that have no clue that because they're, again, peers that are struggling. You're not alone. You're, you know, there are a lot of people that are struggling with similar area that I think you can learn and grow from. So Susan, I love this question. I almost ask every executive top one or two pieces of advice you would give Susan 10 years ago, 20 years ago.
2: Oh, that's a tough one. Um. I'm gonna say um, one. I am pretty um, hard-headed um, and and quick to make assessments. So ten years ago, twenty years ago, I would say be a little bit more tolerant and a little bit more patient. Um, something that I've worked really hard on um, and and let things play out. Um, and then the other the other piece is I am admittedly a workaholic. And I think it's really important to have a work life balance because you actually what I've learned is you do better work when you take better care of yourself and take the time off. So I think that that self-love and that um, as as corny as that sounds, right, self-love and uh, and that work life balance is is really important to be your best self in everything that you do.
0: Jen, I'm going to give you final, final comments, insights, anything you want to share before we wrap up?
1: Well, I think as we explore just revenue operations and as, as the industry shifts, I think we're going to find more leaders like you, Susan, that are embracing it. And I mean, both from the sales and marketing side. So it's really great that you've chosen to adopt it from an early, early stage Um, and helping fostering that environment with your team to grow and have common goals and hold each other accountable. Like, I think that's that's a phenomenal way to get going and it'll help in the long run growing and scaling. So we, we've we really appreciated working with your team and uh, we look forward to seeing where that goes and just as the industry grows and yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting work.
0: I'm going to do the same. I want to echo both Susan and Jen's uh, comments. Uh, an executive asked me once, about attributes of uh, our most successful clients. And I think they were looking for maybe size of company or industry or segment, any of those. And the more I thought about it, the more I came back with one answer, visionary leaders. Visionary leaders who understand that the best version of both themselves as individual leaders, but also their organizations is still ahead. And it's a journey from now to next, and you don't have to have all the answers, You just have to surround yourself with exceptional people who demonstrate a vested interest in your success. So on behalf of my co-host, Jen Court, Susan, thank you for being our guest. Great to have you, great to have your insights. And as Jen mentioned, we love working with you and Andrew and the team and and look forward to some great things between us.
2: And thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And I I am also really excited uh, to work with you all. I wanna just echo really quickly a, a closing thought that you just had. Um, which is the vision? Um, sometimes it's scary because you don't know how you're going to get there, and then you find people like you guys, and you're like, "Aha! Okay, it can happen." And that's that's really some of the exciting stuff. So, so thank you guys for that and for helping us uh, get where we want to go.
0: Our pleasure. For our audience, this has been another episode of RevOps. We are typically live on Tuesdays, 11 Eastern. So check out norgroup.com/revops for more details. Again, on behalf of Jen Kors, my co-host, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Take care.